Welcome, everyone, to We F'd Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And this is episode number 36 on our semi-weekly slash bi-weekly, because they mean the same thing, sojourn into all of the instances in history where somebody effed up. What are we talking about this time, Cody? Uh, Kind of similarly to last week, naval-themed, but we're going to fast-forward. Belly buttons? I, I don't mean the belly button. I mean as in... Ships, Navy ships, the Navy during World War Two. That's what that's our topic for today. And a specific incident which may have affected the course of the war in World War Two. Yes, has to do with the Navy. Yes. All right, I got it. So, a little bit of background: piracy has existed for as long as trading via sea has existed. So, like, I mean, we have ancient accounts of like Roman pirates. Like Julius Caesar was captured by pirates at one point. Yeah, you know, we have pirates in the Indian Ocean, like so, we have numerous reports of pirate of pirates going all the way back since time immemorial. Okay, all right. Since we've had but, boats, we've had people stealing crap off of boats. Yes, got it. But modern organized commerce raiding, which I guess you'd say a, a fancier name for piracy, <laughs> uh, began in the early 16th century. I want to be called an organized commerce raider. That sounds like the zhuzhification of piracy. That's that, like modern, like. That's what you put on your resume. Yeah, exactly. You put pirate. You put organized commerce raider. And somebody would say like, "Oh, do you need financial backing for that?" And then they would get like crowdfunded or what's that thing called when like tech companies get a bunch of startup money? Seed money? No, it's a, like venture capitalist. Oh, a, a venture capitalist would be like organized commerce raider. That sounds good. And then it would also have something to do with like data mining and sort of bitcoin you're you're closer than you think that's weird uh because governments would authorize privateers to raid the treasure ships of rival powers on their way back to europe after plundering the americas so they got so so like the english government would say it would give like a ship or a captain in a ship a contract like hey go attack these these spanish ships with all this gold on it what's it called what was blackwater huh um, in, in like the Middle East and during the Af- Iraq war, wasn't there a, it was like, like a private, well, I mean, as a private mercenary company, mercenaries. Basically. So they were kind of like mercenaries. They were, but specifically to raid treasure ships. Sort of, but they're under, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see the similarity, but, um, but was yes. it like a, by any means necessary situation where it's like, ra- go raid these treasure ships and then like kill everybody or. No, just, just go raid these treasure ships. But there's probably going to be some collateral damage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But basically, just say, hey, go do this for us. Like, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, your haul, uh, the queen gets 10%. That's it? Yeah. Well, then, that's a, pr- that's a pretty good gig. No wonder people were lining up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... The queen only takes 10% of whatever you raid, and then you get to just keep... I mean, that's split still... Split the a, booty? Yeah, that's still a crap ton of money for the queen. Oh, yeah, And I if know. you have enough people doing it, it just aggregates, so... What if they just took the whole ship? Well, then you would have nobody do it. What? Well, you mean the queen take the whole ship, or...? No, no, no. I mean, like, the, the organized commerce raiders. Well, that's when they become pirates. Yeah. So? Then their own government is hunting them. Oh, so okay. So what you're saying is there's a fine line. Yes, like the yes. queen. The queen was like, "We will substantiate you raiding them." Yeah, so long as you give us our cut, and you don't take the boat, 
You can't take you, their boat. No, you could take the boat. You just have to give the the queen her tenth. Okay, but the, you just told me that then that crosses into piracy. If they do not give the queen her tenth, then that is going to be piracy because okay. the government is not going to support them. Those privateers, they would typically only be authorized during times of war. Uh, so, like, during the War of Spanish Succession, England would be like, hey, go go mess with these Spanish ships, you know. <laughs> I, I understand. I Like, I get where you're going with this, but this predicates the idea that you just keep a lot of treasure on ships in general, which seems like a pretty dangerous place to keep Well, I mean, treasure. they were hauling it back to Spain from the Americas. Oh, okay. So like, they, they had already stolen it. So it was already stolen. Goods. It was in the process of being stolen. Okay. Because uh, Europe doesn't naturally have that many gold in its palaces. Yeah. They had to get it from somewhere. So they were stealing it from the Central America. Yeah. And, or and South America. They stealing it from the New World. Yeah. So. Uh, as European powers spread out and began colonizing the world, sea trade increased exponentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, as talk... Uh, as technology progressed over the centuries, ships designed specifically for commerce raiding took to the seas. Schooners. So, like, before this, you would just have, like, just, you know, a boat with a lot of guns on it. Not uh-huh. necessarily, you know, designed for this specific purpose of raiding these other ships. Right. And now, you now like, as technology progresses, you have more specialized ships. You have your battleships, your destroyers, your cruisers, your aircraft carriers... Your submarines, you get these ships that are like, you know, hey, this is specifically designed for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most infamous, infamous examples of commerce raiding in the 20th century were the U-boats of Germany, utilized during the, both world wars. They were commerce raiders? That's what they were used as a lot, because uh, they would attack like the cargo convoys coming from North America to Europe, mm-hmm. and they would sink the cargo ships. Oh. So, so, like, to, like, essentially try to starve out the British. Okay, so in this case, commerce rating is not so much about stealing as destroying. Yeah, I okay. mean, it, well, it could be either way. Okay. Um, All right, I was going to say, I was like, like U-boats if, stealing stuff? I if, don't remember that. If the government, like, contracted you to go and do that, like, for, you know, like if you, if your government contractor go out and do that to steal it, Yes, they would prefer it be stolen so they could get their money, but if you sunk it, at least your enemy isn't getting it. Mm. In this instance, it's just like, just sink it. But there were still um, surface ships, mm-hmm. like not U-boats, uh, that would be used for the same purpose, and they would steal stuff. Like, they would go raid the cargo ships. Okay. But, the, uh, so, but there weren't as many of them as were U-boats, because U-boats were cheaper to produce and to take as much as much manpower and they could you know be underwater yeah so i think that's why i was confused i was like i thought that they were submarines yeah because yeah. uh, u-boat stands for untersee boaten yes so and i saw u571 so you know i know everything about u-boats <laughs> see das boot no yeah. did see the tunnel though but unrelated to submarines hmm. it is a german movie about world war ii i'm pretty sure Watched in a German class, so we watched it in German with German subtitles because we weren't allowed to watch it with English subtitles. That sounds horrible. No, it was good. It was a good learning experience. Sometimes I suck, I suck at languages, so that just sounds horrible to me. <laughs> well, you also weren't in German three, so I took German in college. Oh, okay. So, how much of it I've retained? It's a mystery. Anyway, you filled it all up with useless sports facts. 
Not useless. <laughs> uh, one of these ships utilized by Nazi Germany during the Second World War was called the Atlantis. Okay. Uh, now, the Atlantis, it began life as the cargo ship Goldenfels, entering service in December 1937, but shortly after uh, the European part of the Second World War broke out in 1939, it was requisitioned as a commerce raider. Okay. And it was refitted and renamed the Atlantis, and it was launched in December 1939. Was it a boat or a submarine? It was a boat. Okay. Uh, here, I actually have a... So it's the Atlantis slash pirate ship. Huh. It's actually smaller than I expected. Uh, Well, I mean, that's maybe not a great scale picture, but... All right. So the Atlantis pirate ship. Yes. Or Uh, pirate boat. What's the difference between a boat and a ship? Do I need to know that? There really one. Do I need to know that for this episode? No. So I, I can call it a pirate ship. Because it, it's interesting the delineation that we make between like pirates, because the the motivation of a pirate technically would be they to... would be uh, well, you know, because privateer isn't exactly the right term for it either. Because pirate is where you go and steal it basically for yourself, right? And you retain the goods. Like privateer you... is where you are essentially contracted by the government to do it, mm-hmm. but you still get a share. This is the military ordering them to do things. So, so they're orders. Yeah. Okay. So it's a little different. So I guess that's the difference between piracy and privateering and commerce raiding. <laughs> so it's so funny. It, basically, it's all the same stripe. It's just does you, uh, like somebody what? else tells you to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like being on military orders, that means you work for the military and are under orders from the military. Mm. Versus privateer is you work for the government, but you're not necessarily part of the the military yeah you're a private contractor and being a pirate you're just you're self-employed yes yeah pretty much (laughs) wow (laughs) it's just funny this is like uh yeah a lot of work that's all kind of going yeah in the same direction so uh, ship was launched atlantis december 1939 under the command of captain bernard roga and 349 crew Damn, okay. So, yeah, that, that picture does not uh, accurately show the scale of... Yeah. If it's a boat that has 350 people on it, then... Yeah. That's a lot. Uh, a little bit about Roga. Uh, born on December... Or, uh, born on November 4th, 1899 in the German part of Schleswig, which is kind of like that northern part of Germany that... Like the part where, like, Denmark sticks out of the yep. continent. that Like that area of Germany. It's called Schleswig-Holstein now. Well, I mean, specifically the, the Schleswig part. Okay. So, there's a Schleswig and there's a Holstein. Well, no. I'm just saying now it's called Schleswig-Holstein. It's combined. Like the state itself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the, what is it, Landa? Bundesstaat. Landa is country. Bundesstaat is the state. Oh, that Landa was, yeah. Anyway. Uh, He joined the German Navy in 1915 and he, and I, I just found this weird. He commanded a sail training ship in the 1930s. So, like, they still Sail? had sailboats. In the 30s? And they st- then some navies still do today as, like, a training vessel. Yeah. That I, sounds that, like fancy navy. That's, like, play navy. Yeah, that's, like, confusing to me. I'm like, why would you need to know that? <laughs> like, why would you need to know what a mizzen mass or for topsail is? Maybe because they expected that they would potentially encounter sailboats 
and that they needed, like, if something were to happen, they needed to do it. Or it could be part of tradition. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, yeah, I guess the Constitution is still the, it's still a commission ship in the U.S. Navy, so. I, it's just It just strikes me as weird that they would still have these types of vessels in the 20th century. But anyway, so, you know, he's just yeah, the captain in the German Navy. Um, so back to the Atlantis. So something about uh, these commerce raiders, raiders that Germany was putting out there, because this was not the only one. There were a few others. Um, but they could easily be modified to cover up their armaments they could easily be modified to uh to, to like change the ship's profile because oh. like, cause that's how you kind of identify a ship from far away is like you kind of look at like okay that's the profile of this ship yeah so they were being this sneaky sneaky yeah so it's like they could disguise the ship essentially like down to the point where like the crew had several different sets of uniforms ooh okay so like they could they could be like oh no i i'm a neutral vessel i'm a i'm going to we're going to play I, dress we're, up today we're we're we're, we're a portuguese ship Dang, okay. And then, and then, you know, as soon as they get closer to, you know, like a, like a British cargo ship, they whip out their guns and, you know, blast them to pieces. Wow. Yeah. You would think, though, after the first time that that happened, that people would be, like, more wary of that. Like, it seems like that would be a trick that you could use, like, a handful of times before people are like, okay, now we're wise to it. Well, you're assuming that the, you know... The, the people who fall for it are able to send oh, yeah. a message along that, hey, Or that the info was shared in the first place. Yeah, so... Okay. that makes sense. So, uh, so on May 3rd, 1940, Atlantis sank her first cargo ship, The Scientist, on its way to prowl in the Indian Ocean. The name of a Coldplay album? The Scientist? I'm pretty sure. It's either Coldplay or Radiohead. I wouldn't well, know. I wonder if that's the inspiration. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think I w- it's a I wouldn't song. know either way. Over the next several months, Atlantis sank or captured 12 vessels for a total tonnage of 86,825 tons. And that was kind of how success was measured in terms of, like, uh, U-boats or submarines. I mean, not just U-boats, but, like, you know, submarines in the U.S. Navy, British Navy, uh, or other commerce raiding vessels. You were, you were, your performance is based on how many, like, how big was the ship you sank. Because you could sink, you know, you could say, oh, I sank, I, I sank five boats. And they're like, well, were they big? Well, no, they were PT boats. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... You know, or I sank yeah. five boats. Oh, they were these massive, massive cargo ships. Mm-hmm. The cargo ships are going to be more valuable. So you want to sink, like, these big, huge cargo ships. So, you, so like, your, your performance is, you know, when you're up for your performance review, how many tons did you sink this week? Okay. So. All right. I see. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's doing pretty well. And Rogo, he was noted for uh, his. He would typically. Because he could have just sank the ships. Mm-hmm. But he instead disabled them. And the crew, he could just leave in lifeboats or just kill. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was noted for taking them on as POWs and treating the wounded. And whenever he could, like, stop off at a neutral port, drop off the POWs. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know. He's like, I'm going to take your ship, but that doesn't mean that I have to kill all of you. Yeah. And let me show you a picture of Roga. That's him. Huh. He looks like Charles, a little, Prince Charles, King Charles a little bit. A little bit. Well, I mean, there's some German in there, so. Is he, 
is King is Charles keeping his name? Hmm? Can't remember, Charles. Yeah. King, is King Charles going to be King Charles? Yeah. Oh, okay. Charles I was, III. I wasn't sure if he was going with the George. I think we talked about that yeah, before th- we speculated. He, he th- there was speculation that he would think he would change it, but it's like he's been Charles for so long. It's like. Well, yeah, I pr- yeah. I wouldn't want to change my name at 75 or whatever yeah. it is that he's at. So. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So. So Atlantis, it's prowling the Indian Ocean looking for some British cargo ships. Because remember, Britain had several Far Eastern colonies. Had Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaya, Burma, India, uh, Sri Lanka, Australia, New Zealand. So they have all these Pacific uh, colonies or allied states um, that need, you know, supplies or sending supplies to Britain. Right. uh, Through like the Suez Canal. Uh, or around Africa. So they know that it, the waters are rich with, yes. with British ships they, that they can destroy. It is called a target-rich environment. Yes. So in the early morning hours of November 11th, 1940... It was recently after his birthday, so he's probably celebrating, maybe hungover. Well, yeah, about a week after his birthday. Yeah, birthday ship. Yeah. They, uh, they haven't even taken the streamers down yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how the ship fell for... Uh, it not being the Atlantis. They're like, oh, they're having a party. They're not, they're not a warship. <laughs> they use their little bin. Oh, no. What is Periscope? Is, does a peris- no. Periscope doesn't telescope, though, right? That's Periscope is what you use on a submarine to see what's ab- above the water. Okay. They would use binoculars. Binoculars. Yeah. So they're using their binoculars, and they just see, like, this rager of a party. And they're oh, like, yeah. oh, well, clearly, although this boat looks very And, and, and it's German, so it's like, it's like techno stuff or something like a techno like club <laughs> no it's rammstein yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like heavy 1940, metal yeah yes <laughs> no it's it's like heavy metal because this is like post weimar republic so it's like industrial techno yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man okay anyways anyway um yeah november 11th 1940 atlantis encountered the british cargo ship automedon automedon Oh yeah, I forgot that we were gonna we were debating on how. Well, you I'm say calling it. Otto Medon because that sounds more ridiculous. <laughs> it no. sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> automedon. I think it's automedon. It probably is automedon. Oh well. Because uh, aut- okay, so here's what I'm thinking in terms of this. There's automata, which is I'm pretty sure pronounced automata. Automata. Is it automata? Yes. Because that sounds silly. That's what it is. Did you Google this or no, I are just... you just rolling with it? No, I have a grasp of the English language. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll say automaton. Atlantis encountered automaton 250 miles northwest of Sumatra. So, kind of in between India and uh Burma so Atlantis began shelling Automedon completely destroying her bridge her living quarters and her lifeboats within 3 minutes rude yeah so it's it's very precise i mean they're they've sunk several ships at this point so they're good at their jobs uh so and this is a picture of the Automedon so you see like all this these structures up here are all gone basically yeah, so it's 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 dead in the water. Like I mean, its bridge is destroyed, so it can't really go anywhere. It can't call for help. 
yeah, so it, it just, it can't do it. It's dead in the water. Automedon. That's the Achilles charioteer. That, so that's what it was named after, is, is the charioteer of Achilles. So it makes sense why they would name it that. But they're really scraping the bottle of the barrel because I have never heard that. It's a British cargo ship. I mean, I mean, at this point, they're kind of running out of, like, like for example, like uh, all the moons of Jupiter are supposed to be named after various like lovers of Zeus. But they find like such tiny little ones. It's like they're kind of running out of them. Yeah, they're so. like, look, we know Zeus was prolific. So it's he like, was not that prolific. So it's like you know, if, <coughs> it's like. One random snippet of a story where one lover is mentioning, oh, oh, name it after her. <laughs> oh, man. She gets this mile-long moon. It's pro- problematic in yeah. general. So, um, But anyway, uh, so yeah, destroying the bridge, living quarters, lifeboats within three minutes. So it's dead in the water. Uh, crew of Atlantis, they board Automedon and began transferring her crew and cargo to Atlantis. So like, all right. Uh, now, Roga, he gave his crew three hours to do this, because it's like, you don't want to linger too long. If another ship comes across him, they'll be like, hey, what you doing over there? Yeah, that seems sketch. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like, there's a time limit on what they can do. It's like, all right, they gotta be you have quick. three hours, get all the people off, like, whoever survived, the injured will treat their wounds, um, and whatever cargo you can get. Mm-hmm. So, so this is really like, you know, kind of like old-fashioned piracy. Yeah. Just yep. not... They just Pirates. gave it a, a zhuzhed up name so yes. that it so that it's acceptable. Yes, and the government told them to do that. Yes, so. and then it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so Automaton, <laughs> it had a strong room where the passengers' valuables were kept. Of course, uh, but the key had been lost when the bridge was destroyed because again, they all the command crew were wiped out. So, right. uh, or most of them, the ship's remaining officer had indicated as much to the Germans. Uh, so. The Germans are like, okay, we only have three hours. Let's just we'll just bypass this. Get what we can. Enter our effer upper. This is gonna be one where person pops up and that's it. Okay. Violet Ferguson. Okay. Uh, she was one of the passengers on the Automedon. Okay. So, um, and she was, uh, you know, just going from point A to point B, and she brought her luggage with her. Re- and in, I'm in- sorry. Remind me this. This is a passenger ship too. It's mostly a cargo ship, but I mean, it'll still take some, like, if it's going from X-port to Y-port, and they have some free cabin space, why not, oh. you know? Okay, all right, well... So, so, so its purpose was not a passenger ship. Okay. Don't think, like, Titanic or anything like right. that. Right, okay. Well, it's interesting that you say that, because I'm kind of just drawing on my uh, Casablanca knowledge, and that was something where a lot of the people in Casablanca were trying to, like, get on cargo vessels so mm. that they could get out safely um so I, I was just thinking about that and i was like wait i thought this was i i thought it was a cargo ship but yeah. i get it okay there are people on here as mm. well and so it makes it even more crappy that they blew it up yeah okay casablanca overrated um okay according to you i feel like you should watch it again with all of the appreciation that you have for cinema and also your love of world war ii I feel like you should watch. I would say I love World. I don't say I, I would say I love War. The, your <laughs> love of the historiography of World War Two, to be more accurate, then yeah, okay. Give it another shot. Just one more shot. It's only an hour and forty five minutes. It's it's actually very good. I feel like I feel like you should give it another shot, especially because the last time you watched it, you were young. 
Hmm, maybe. Anyway. As somebody who watched Citizen Kane, and I hate Citizen Kane, but I really appreciate and love Casablanca, and I know that you also hate Citizen Kane, and you're saying that you hate Casablanca. I don't hate Citizen Kane. You should give it. You should give it another shot. What do you think I hated Citizen Kane for? I thought we had a trash-talking session about Orson Welles. No, I like Orson Welles. Okay. Or his body of work, anyway. (laughs) Okay. Well, hey, I'm just saying. We probably think, talked trash about somebody else. I think they, similar. <laughs> I think you should give Casablanca another shot. Maybe. Anyway, uh, so Violet Ferguson, passenger on the ship. Her luggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, I, I, and I, I kind of have a image of this in my head how this went down. She insists. That the Germans also retrieve her valued tea set from the strong room. Oh, right. I remember you told me that there's tea. Okay. If these these Germans, members of the military, mind you, they only have they're on a deadline. They only have a certain amount of time to get everyone off the ship, get get as much cargo as they can. They now have to spend time breaking into the strong room because the key is lost. How much of a Karen was this woman being to the Germans to where they were like, oh my god, if you shut up, we will get your frickin' tea set. Wow. I, like, I, she I, must have been the biggest of Karens. Like, I worked for far too many years in a fast food restaurant. You can say McDonald's, it's okay. I just saw a commercial that said one in eight people have worked at a McDonald's. So, it's okay to say McDonald's, I worked I there and spent a number of years as a manager. The amount of complaining over the tiniest little details, over stuff that is so inconsequential that people would argue with me over, I have a very good sense of how much of a Karen this woman was being. Yeah. Granted, she's being that way to the Germans during World War II, so a bit of a pass. Right. But I, I could just imagine, imagine this woman just haranguing them constantly. I need my tea set. Please, please, give me my tea set. <laughs> that... I'm going to cut that out, and I am going to make, or I'm going to copy it, and I'm going to make that my ringtone. Every time I get a text message, it's just going to be Cody, please give me my tea set. (laughs) Sure, fine, whatever. Or I'm going to tag it on to every single episode that we do after this. Whatever floats your boat. At the very end, it's just going to say, please give me my tea set. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever floats your boat. But just, it just, God, ugh. Yeah, this lady was, she was clearly being a total stick in the mud. It could also be that she, like, refused to leave, and, and knowing that the Captain uh, Roga, oh, yeah. I, is I that what totally you're saying? S- uh, Captain Roga. Roga. He, like, didn't want to hurt anybody, yeah. and this lady was just being hysterical, so they were like, he gave the order, okay, go and try and get her tea set, yeah. and then they just took it to an extreme. Yeah. Because they'd have to, well, like, probably have to use a welder to get into it. Probably. Or, or it's like you know, I could, I could just see her like standing, like just, uh, just like a cross arm, like squinty eyed. It, but she's never gonna listen to this. I have an aunt Cindy. 
Oh my gosh. This is going to get back and to And I somehow. have seen her complain about people before. And this is kind of the face that I'm, like, the just the, the expression <laughs> I'm getting from this woman. Just like... Like sour-mouthed? Like, yeah, like yeah. an old sourpuss. Yeah. And just like... It's like, if, if they get any bit of cargo... Well, you got that? You got that, didn't you? Why can't you get my tea set? <laughs> you got that one? Oh, well, come on. Come on. Come on, John. Uh, oh, my God. That's His a, name's that's John. A, that's, a, that's a family inside joke. <laughs> His um, name's John. Yeah. His name's Captain Riga. Roga. <laughs> Sorry. I keep saying Riga. His name's Bernard. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. That, that is a joke that, like, four people are going to get. Oh four gosh. of our five listeners. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway. So, so why is this so important? Why is this the F up? Her begging for this tea set in these really kind of horrible circumstances she's in. Well, when the German sailors broke into the stock strong room, they found not only her tea set, but several bags of classified documents. Oh my god! It's it's like Mar-a-Lago up in there. Oh, um, ooh, funny joke. Yes. All right. Including one bag marked as highly confidential, with holes put into it so that it would sink if it was thrown overboard in case the ship was captured. Just nobody had had a chance to do it. Oh yeah. This bag proved to be an intelligence treasure trove, Uh-oh. as it detailed British defenses in their East Asia colonies, troop numbers, supply caches, war plans, the role of Australia and New Zealand in a Pacific War, and a summary of a war cabinet meeting from August 1940 in which the state of the British military in East Asia was discussed. Do you think that this is what caused the policy to change so that classified documents were kept on the person of... Situations like this? I, I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything on, like, if there were any... Um, Far-reaching implications? Well, any uh, changes to uh, procedure, but... I, I just find it really weird that they would have such a large amount of classified documentation to the point where, like, it has holes in it so that it would sink, but then they put it in the strong room, which clearly is not safe. Yeah, that probably wasn't... Because whomever put that in the strong room... Well, they probably assumed that, like... Okay, well, you can unlock it with your key and throw it overboard. You would think that the person who stowed it there would want to be around that. Maybe, Maybe they, they have... were, and they just got killed. Oh, that's possible. But, Anyways. But yeah, so, uh, and once the cargo and the passengers were taken off the ship, Roga ordered the scuttling of the automaton and departed from the area. What's a scuttling? Uh, it's where you kind of intentionally sink a ship. Oh, okay. So... So they took. They were like, and they took all the documents, and they were like, sink the ship. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and you know, as he and Roga, he's going over this. He's like, oh my lord, because hey, hey. now, now at this, now at this point, this is November nineteen forty. Uh, France has fallen. Most of Europe's fallen. Britain is pretty much the only person left, or the only the only person, the only country <laughs> left on the uh, on, on the on the good guys. I know you're imagining Winston Churchill. <laughs> Winston Churchill yes. is the, the only chess piece that has not fallen. Yes. Who played him in uh, in The Crown? John Lithgow? John That's right. Lithgow. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to do a Churchill impression. <laughs> uh, you you got to stick to your day job. I'm so sorry, but you cannot do an impression to save your life. No, I can't. Except of your Aunt Cindy, apparently. Where's my tea set? <laughs> Where's my tea set, John? <laughs> Oh, boy. I hope she never hears this. 
Uh, you'll know. <laughs> you will know if, yeah, if, if she know. listens. I she, will know. Yeah. I don't. I think that this might be a deep cut, though. Yeah. So that's right. fine. So anyway, the following day, November twelfth, Roga rendezvoused with uh, old with. Now this is a Norwegian, a captured Norwegian ship that they had captured like before, um, and he'd put some of his crew on there to to uh, just you know, sail it around. Yeah, kind okay. of like take the ship or maybe kind of do some false flag type of stuff. Okay. It looks like old Jacob. I imagine it's probably Ole Jakob. Oh, is it O L E? Yes. Ole Jakob. Yeah, probably. It looks like old Jacob. Don't so I'm going to call it old Jacob. Oh my God. <laughs> Ole Jakob. Okay. He rendezvoused with old Jacob. They previously captured a Norwegian ship and yeah. ordered its commander to turn over the intelligence trove to the German naval attache in Tokyo. For somebody who is so crazy about how you pronounce words you really throw caution to the wind when it comes to foreign languages you gotta say it right you gotta say it right and then you just old jacob that's what it looks like okay and ole jacob there ole jacob right. thank you um also at this point where japan is not really they're only fighting china at this point okay which is kind of like why I, I i've never liked the fact that you know, we always say, oh, World War II began in September 1939 when the Germans invaded Poland. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Japan had been fighting China since 1937. So it's like really kind of cutting off e- e- the yes. Southeast Asia. So it's because World War II is really like two separate wars. Mm-hmm. And a European war and a Pacific war. Yep. Because it's not like the Germans and the Japanese were like strategically coordinating with each other. They were right. just allies of convenience. Right. Um. Kind of like us and the Soviets during the war, but mm-hmm. so it really is like two separate wars. Yeah, Japan at this point is just fighting China. Like they haven't attacked Pearl Harbor yet. They haven't attacked the British or French colonies yet. Uh, but I mean, they're building up to do so. But you know, they're still their still main focus is China, mm-hmm. conquering China, and so uh, after turn over to, uh, blah blah blah. After turning over the documents, Atlantis continued with her orders to interdict shipping, sinking or capturing a further nine ships over the next year. However, on November 22, 1941, Atlantis was finally sunk by the British heavy cruiser HMS Devonshire. Most of the crew, including Roga, survived. Over her nearly two years in service, Atlantis sank or captured 22 ships for a total of 145,960 tons, one of the most successful raiding careers of the war. Wow. So that's the end of Atlantis. Okay. So back to the German naval attaché, who's now getting these documents. Mm-hmm. By the na- uh, name of Admiral Paul Vinegar. Mm-hmm. Once he obtained that intelligence, he ter- sent it on to Berlin via the Trans-Siberian Railway across what was then the Soviet Union. Because Germany and Soviet Union weren't at war yet. Right, right. So remember, this is November 1940. Uh, so he sends it on to Berlin. Hitler himself reviews the intelligence. That's how important this is. Like it just gets sent further and further up the chain of command until you get to the highest person in the chain of command. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he reviews it and he orders it. He realizes, oh, this is this is some important stuff. This is hot coffee. Yes, we gotta handle it with care. Yes, he orders it copied and he also sends a copy to the Japanese government. Right. So basically, it went to Japan, to Germany, and then back to Japan, mm-hmm. uh, who were just utterly thrilled. 
Because this is basically just showing the weakness of the British in the Far East. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we can take advantage of this. Uh, Vinegar later dined with Vice Admiral Nobutaki Kondo, who, quote, repeatedly expressed to me how valuable the information contained in the War Cabinet Memorandum was for the Navy. Such a significant weakening of the British Empire could not have been identified from outward appearances, end quote. Wow. Okay. So this tells the Japanese, hey, the British aren't all cracked. They're not cracked up as... They're, they're, <laughs> I can't... I, uh, you lost it. You lost it. I did. I did lose it. <laughs> the British are not cracked... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the British aren't all they are cracked up to be. Yeah, that that's what I said. Yep. Uh, Japanese historian Eiji Seki said, quote, In time, this gift from Hitler would have the effect of hastening the Japanese military to war. Wow. End quote. Admiral Isoroko Yamamoto, the architect of the sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, was convinced that the British Navy was too weak in Asia to assist the U.S. Navy, and so plans to preemptively attack the United States were accelerated. I see. So they were like, the British right now are not a threat. Yeah. So it's like, let's go after the Americans. Because they were hesitant, because like, well, we can't take on the British and the Americans at the same time. And now they're like, no big deal. All we have to do is take on the Americans and we can, we can maybe not defeat them, but force them into negotiations. The British are not a worry until they make the first move, then we can decimate them. Yeah. The British are a little distracted at the time. Right. (laughs) So on December 8th, 1941, in conjunction with the attack on Pearl Harbor, which. It is right. the same day because the international date line. Right. Um, Japan invaded Thailand, Guam, and the British possession of Hong Kong with assaults on the Philippines and the British possessions of Burma, Singapore, and Malaya, which would follow later in the month. Okay. In recognition of the significance of the intelligence, the Japanese government awarded Roga with an ornate katana in April 1943. This was the only, this was only the third such award that Japan gave to Germans during the war. The other two being Hermann Goering and Erwin Rommel. So, like, the head of the Luftwaffe. Right. And Germany's probably most successful field commander. Right. And then this captain. Wow. This this commerce rating captain. Jeez, he's he's like, I didn't even mean to. (laughs) Yeah, which shows you the magnitude of the importance of this intelligence cache. Man, she just needed her tea set. Yep. By the end of the war, Roga had been promoted to vice admiral. Um, like you do. Yeah. He was one of the few flag officers not to be arrested after the war, largely on the testimony of the POWs he had captured. Wow. Because they were okay. like, this guy, he that treated makes... us well. Oh, uh, Armstrong White, one of the captains of one of the vessels at the Atlantis that sank, said, quote, uh, of Roga, quote, his treatment of prisoners left respect instead of hatred. Man. That is such a, that's like such a tangled web right there. Because you're like, this is, this man was a part of maybe one of the most evil, like just downright evil Mm -hmm. military forces in the entire, like in the history of the world. Yeah. But this one guy like treated people with respect. And so they're like, well, he's not so bad. But then like also how many people did the intelligence that he gave to the German government. Yeah, how many did that kill? Yeah, how many did that kill? And also... People like people like Roga are like these freaking fascist nut jobs who want to point to like, oh well, look, look, look it, it wasn't it wasn't the actual military; right. it was just the SS. Not all Germans the, the, are the, yeah. cle- the clean Wehrmacht crap theory. Which, yeah, exactly. Like, oh no, they they were fine. No, they committed some massacres. They right. did some war crimes. Yeah. So yep. don't don't yeah. Twenty million or wait, 
22 million people who were killed during the course of... I mean, there's wide estimates, but... And like 9 million Jewish people, so... Six. Six million Jewish people. Was it 6 million Jews and then 3 million other... I think so. I don't don't remember the numbers offhand. I remember the 6 million more than anything, but... So it's so tangled. Like, okay, you can point to this guy and say, like, okay, his specific actions... He treated us fine when he captured us and sank our ship. That part as, you know, as a part of... Yeah. He killed my first officer, but... Right, exactly. (laughs) Or him and his crew did, but... He really didn't... He wasn't even seeking those documents. Like, he had no knowledge that those were on the ship. He had no idea. It just so happened that he did, and that he broke into that safe room that initially they weren't even going to bother with. Yep. Yeah. Uh, In 1957... Because, you know, of course, pretty much the entire German military is disbanded after the war. Mm-hmm. But in 1957, he rejoins the West German Navy with the rank of Rear Admiral, commanding NATO forces in northern Germany and Denmark. So he goes from being on the side of the Nazis during the Second World War to being one of the guys, like, top NATO guys. What the F? Yeah! <laughs> okay, so... <sighs> Maybe he just really, really wanted to be a part of the Navy. He just Navy. loved being on a ship. Or, or the, West Ger- the West Germans are probably like looking around like, we don't have any experienced naval dudes. Yeah. And this guy's so, really, really good at interception. Because I think this is 1957. I think West Germany was a fit, like formed in 1955 once the Allied occupation was over. Um, if I remember correctly. So it's like they were probably still like building up their navy, looking around, be like we don't have any experienced navy guys who were who weren't super terrible. You know navy, you know yeah. ship. Like like we got we got Durant sitting over there, but yeah, he 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 sat in he sat in prison for some war crimes, so we yeah. can't use him, so that's not gonna be a good face for NATO. Yeah. So uh yeah, how about the guy who got the uh, the, the the katana guy? How about that guy? He everybody likes him. He's like <laughs> Yeah. So, but, uh... Cleaning his katana? Yeah, uh, he only serves again for five more years. He, reser- he retires in 1962, uh, and dies in 1982. Or, wait a minute. I think I have that wrong in my notes. No, no, I don't. Never mind. Yeah, he dies on June 29th, 1982, in Rhinebeck, Germany. Jeez. Yeah. And Violet Ferguson, our effer upper... She's had to have her tea set. She died in 2003 at age 96. Oh, my gosh. Likely unaware of the role she played in the war. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't find a picture of her. You can't really... She's just very obscure, so... If you could turn back time, would you go and... turn back time. No. Okay, stop. If you could turn back time, would you go back to Violet pre pre heard um death and and be like listen i know that you didn't know this but you probably turned the course of the war maybe like she died because somebody did tell her that no she was like 90 something she wasn't aware of that big of a shock to the system she'd be like what oh no and then was she british yeah. Was she Mrs. Doubtfire? That's the only British woman impression I can do is Mrs. Doubtfire. You gotta quit with the impressions. <laughs> but, but... Just insert generic. Just say... In- I needed my tea set. <laughs> you just need to start saying... I in- needed my tea. In- insert generic British <laughs> accent here. 
<laughs> just not even try. Because I'm pretty sure she didn't sound like Mrs. Doubtfire. They're near. Or Gloria Child. Or uh, Glo- Ch- Julia Child. Julia Child. Sorry. Ch- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you made me laugh for once. Um, anyway. Um, sources for this. Uh, James Duffy. Hitler's Secret Pirate Fleet from 2005. Stephen Robinson, False Flags from 2016. A.G. Secchi, Mrs. Ferguson's Tea Set in the Second World War from 2006. And Joseph Slavic's The Cruise of the German Raider Atlantis from 2003. And wow. I didn't look beforehand, but I don't think there's any feedback for us because there's never any feedback for <laughs> us because nobody cares enough to leave feedback. Maybe they just, uh, they're like, just keep doing what you're doing. So it's okay. Well, then tell me that. Call it out. Tell me that. Please. I want to hear from you. That takes work. It's fine. You don't like work either. Do you put feedback on every single podcast that you listen to? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. Show me. <sighs> Do you want to, like, search through, like, the entire, like, it's probably been years since I've reviewed some of the ones I listen to. Oh, that, that's okay. So I'm that's not going right. to go scrolling through, but I do. I listen to a lot feedback. of podcasts, and I have never left feedback. And well, I well, then you're, you're a horrible person. <laughs> um, it's like most of the time, people don't leave feedback for something unless it's really, really, really bad, and they have something to say about it, mm. or like some people do. But I guess we just haven't hit the cross section of people who actually give enough of a crap to <laughs> to to leave us a bad or good review. So it's fine. It's fine. Maybe I'll just create some fake accounts and leave feedback. That sounds like a lot of work. Oh, Kevin Durant, that shit. No. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> what does that mean? Who's Kevin Durant? <laughs> uh, he's a basketball player. Um, he gave himself fake He was, he was caught, like, kind of creating fake accounts and on Twitter and just um, getting in debates. Like, like if, if somebody, like a, like a prominent, like, sports journalist would criticize him. He would create fake accounts on Twitter and be like, well, no, no, he's great. He's awesome. Like that kind of thing. It's like, dude, wow. you are being paid millions of dollars to you, sit on you Twitter. You won a championship. Just, just, yeah, I can't stand Kevin Durant. He's a snake. Okay. Um, Shout him out. Yep. Uh, so the podcast to recommend this week is just Historium, H-I-S-T-O-R-I-U-M, uh, they don't really cover anything specific, but they do. Uh, the the host he just kind of does uh, different uh, different incidents in history. Like a, he just did a whole series on uh, Oppenheimer and the into- development of the of the bomb. So I've heard but, that the new movie is very good in movie Twitter. Didn't come out for like four months. Uh, people, I think they screened it at um, Cannes or something like that. Oh, Sundance. oh, yeah. Well, it's Christopher Nolan, so. I'm, Usually given the benefit of the doubt. Although Tenet, I did what didn't care for Tenet. But most maybe, of the time, that that's kind of the first dud. Maybe we should talk about some Oppenheimer stuff around the, the time that that comes out. Or just like ancillary nuclear bomb stuff. Yeah, maybe. Maybe at some point. Okay. Cool. Uh, so that's it. That's Violet Ferguson and her it. And what are we talking about next time? Next time will be interesting. It will be the most recent event we've talked about. Okay. Something that happened within our lifetimes. Okay. And we remember it. 
kind of alluded to it a little bit in a recent Twitter post from May the 1st that I made the other day about the a certain speech that George W. Bush gave on an aircraft carrier declaring mission accomplished. Oh, okay. We're talking a little bit about the aftermath of the invasion of Iraq. Oh, gosh. And it will be, like, right at that 20-year window. Ooh, boy. So we can talk about it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, you you have the 20-year rule, so We're I wanted gonna to... Be right, it's going to be right at it. Okay. So it, it's... It, yeah. So it's, it's something that you, know, you and I have... Experienced. Yes. We were alive for. Yes. All right. So interesting. Yeah. History. Right. History isn't just in, history isn't just in your past. Isn't you know from stuff from before you were born. You know, it happened in your lives too. So. Nice. All right. I'm excited. Please be sure to check out our other projects, the Drunken Pawn, where we play board games and drink on YouTube. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, my sister podcast project with my lovely pod wife, Juliet, where we talk about horror movies. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WeFedUp, no spaces. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And this is We, we F'd Up. up.